You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 129 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio, as always, by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today? Good afternoon, sir. Happy to be here with you on uh, what a week it's been. My goodness, yeah. what a week it has been. Um, no Habs games, but lots of yeah. Habs news. A uh, little bit of uh, NCAA regional hockey action. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of Laval Rocket news to talk about. But of course, uh, I was I was just glued, glued to um, the whole situation of the NBA trade deadline and Kyle Lowry. Yeah. And, and oh, I, I feel like I lived, just reading your tweets, I feel like I lived yeah. through the whole dramatic experience. It was, uh, Rick, and I know that that was 100% genuine because I know <laughs> that you were as interested as anybody in what was happening on Wednesday from the time from 9 Eastern right up until 3 Eastern glued to your phone the television whatever it might be to see if kyle lowry was going to be moved and actually rick uh, our friend and and your co-host on the fine uh press zone podcast press zone montreal press zone philadelphia podcasts amy johnson uh she made a rather uh bold prediction on the latest episode of the press zone podcast press zone montreal where yeah both both, on both both of them yeah yeah so she made the bold prediction that kyle lowry uh, would be moved to the Philadelphia 76ers. And for a while, there was reports that indicated that that might actually happen, but it did not. Uh, it did not end up happening. The Philadelphia 76ers went in another direction with a, a solid point guard and George Hill, who I've always really liked. But we'll note that uh, he's come up short against the uh, Toronto Raptors and Kyle Lowry a couple times in his <laughs> career in the playoffs. But I digress. A, a nice little pickup, but the Toronto Raptors ultimately deciding that Nobody was willing to give up something that they coveted for the greatest player that's ever played for the franchise, and they'll see what uh, what comes of uh, this summer. But for now, uh, another year, and uh, the Toronto Raptors, I mean, they had a tough loss last night against a good uh, 
uh, Phoenix team, uh, but uh, they might be in the uh, in the thick of it for a chance to be in the playoffs. So uh, one more run for Kyle Lowry, who remains a Toronto Raptor. And Rick, this is all to say, this is all to say that the NBA, that basketball, has entered the second half of their season. This is the time for teams to prove if they are contenders or pretenders. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Get in the action now to claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. You just pick your lineup, you stay under the salary cap, and you see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, every steal, every assist means so much more with a daily with a DraftKings daily fantasy lineup. And boy, oh boy, I think when you look at what's happening in the NBA this year, and I just said the Phoenix Suns, who the Raptors saw last night, they could be a team that I think, and I said to my friend who is a Phoenix Suns fan, that could be a team that makes the NBA Finals this year with the with the West wide open a little bit, LeBron James being injured. So that will be a very, very interesting thing to see. I'm going to be watching that very, yeah. very closely. Uh, very with DraftKings, uh, payday comes for every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app right now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com. For details, so yeah, Rick, it's it's going to be a very interesting second half of the season in the NBA, and it's already began in the NHL. The second half of the season, and it's been very interesting, uh, just not for the reasons that we thought it was going to be for the Montreal Canadiens. And Rick, if we take a look back at the week that was for the Montreal Canadiens, we go back to last Saturday night. The last time the Montreal Canadiens played a hockey game, uh, it was a 5-4 shootout win. They finally got off the schneid uh, in uh, beyond regulation yeah. uh, with a shootout victory. Thomas Tatar with a beautiful shootout winner, and Carey Price came up huge with some big saves in the shootout as well. And Rick, after that, we had we had recorded a bonus episode for for our lovely listeners who loved the last bonus episode that we did uh, with Connor Halley of uh, the Other Connor podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network and TSN 1260 in Edmonton. And we had the great pleasure of talking with Connor about this upcoming season or uh, upcoming series, excuse me, with the Edmonton Oilers that we thought was going to be happening Monday, Wednesday, Friday of this week. And uh, it did not happen that way as scheduled. Uh, (laughs) And we will be getting into the reason why uh, a little bit later on. But Rick, that is all to say that the Montreal Canadiens did not have that uh, exciting three-game set with the Oilers that they thought uh, that we thought they were going to have, at least not for now. Not for now. Um, and there is going to be some schedule manipulation, mm-hmm. uh, so so don't worry about that. And and head back to uh, if you've missed any of our episodes, uh, yes. go back at CanadiansConnection.com uh, or in your app. Just uh, scroll scroll back through the uh, the Canadians Connection uh, podcasts and uh, listen to last week's. Listen to our bonus episode uh, because those are going to come in handy. But uh, as we know. 
the three games against Edmonton were postponed by the league out of abundance of caution. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it was a very interesting uh very interesting situation that unfolded and we'll be getting into the specifics of it a little bit later on but rick i'll say that given uh, given the situation uh, it'll be uh, it'll be difficult to compo- uh, to put together a three stars article but uh, we'll talk about last week's we'll talk about Is last kyle week's. lowry on the list kyle lowry might be on the list uh, mark bergevin might be as well for reasons that we'll get into later uh <laughs> but uh it's uh, last week. Uh, I gave it to Josh Anderson as my first star of the week. Uh, Thomas Tatar featured as well as Corey Perry. But Josh Anderson, if we can just talk about this guy for a second, because we talked about that promise that he made, right? And the guarantee that he made about what mm-hmm. his team needed to do against Winnipeg after that disappointing series against the Flames, that two-game set that just did not go Montreal's way. He talked about needing to put on, and his team needing to play with a better effort. And boy oh boy did he ever deliver and it's that type of thing right and and we know the Montreal Canadiens they, they need they need a little bit right they need a little bit of uh, additional scoring they would like I mean you'd love them to have a puck moving defenseman on the left side to play with Shea Weber but one thing that I truly believe you cannot have enough of are guys like Josh Anderson who make an impact on the game even without putting up points that are those guys that bring the intangibles. If you have enough of those guys, I think you can make a difference, right? I think you have a team that's capable of playing against other teams. And maybe that's what Mark Bergevin saw earlier this season when he said that we're a team that can play any way that you that you want to. And maybe that was alluding to the fact that you have a guy like Josh Anderson now who maybe like a Brendan Gallagher can do that where it's not necessarily what you see in terms of points and production but there's also these little effort things these battles that take place throughout the ice and Josh Anderson has been right in the thick of it since his arrival even with coming off of that shoulder injury last year he's fighting with Milan Lucic (laughs) he's throwing his body around he's second on the in the Habs and hits like this is a prototypical power forward and man oh man have the Canadians ever needed somebody like this for a long time He's um, he, he's there was the injury concerns for sure. But uh, in an ideal world, uh, all of the positive qualities of, of Josh Anderson, those are the things that we've seen. Um, and, uh, and and, you know, banged up here and there. But but you, can, yes. you might expect yeah. that given the way yeah. he's he's attacked things. And, uh, uh, you know, Brendan Gallagher has has been that spark plug kind of guy and and uh, willing to get his nose dirty uh, and almost uh, almost exclusively up till now. But uh, Josh Anderson is is kind of raised that level a little bit uh, and particularly with uh, with all the speed that that he has, uh, his yeah. ability to put the puck in the net. He's been uh, he's been a, a think where the Canadians would be without Josh Anderson oh. and Tyler to Foley right now oh boy oh boy it would not be uh, it would not be a pretty picture right now for the Montreal Canadiens without those two and uh, Rick I think that's a perfect lead into the first topic we're going to discuss in roster news because the Montreal Canadiens right now are without Tyler Toffoli without the services of course they haven't played we haven't seen him out of the lineup other than last week against the Canucks but right now he does have a lower body injury he was not scheduled to play all three games against the Oilers. So as much as what we're about to talk about is a hindrance and something that you wanted to avoid at all costs, 
it gives Tyler Toffoli a little bit of time to recover. If that is going to be the one positive that you take out of this this uh, situation that we're going to discuss in a little bit. It kind of, um, it was an odd injury um, yeah. that it, it said, um, you know, we've been back through the video and, and couldn't really find uh, where it happened, but it was uh, apparently happened near the end of that game um, against Vancouver. He apparently was um, suffering with it in the overtime, but felt good enough uh, with the adrenaline and whatnot to go out there and, and, and play in the overtime. Yeah, uh, but then um, ruled out for the three games before those three games were postponed. Uh, he was ruled out, and um, in the uh, uh, media availability this morning, uh, coffee with Mark Bergevin. Uh, we've seen him a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, a lot of pressers from Mark. Uh, he said this morning that uh, once the Canadians resume their schedule. Uh, that Tyler Toffoli isn't expected to play that first game, whenever that is, uh, yeah. that he'll need uh, a bit of practice time first, uh, that, that yes, these three games this week off has, has helped him, uh, but, uh, but he will not play. Uh, if that game happens Tuesday, he won't play on Tuesday, and, and um, then the expectation is that he should return for the second game back. Yeah, and and that's perfectly understandable given the situation. And, uh, of course, yeah, you want to ease him back in because we know how important that he has been to the Montreal Canadiens this season. And, of course, uh, one of the league leaders in goals uh, this season, which, I mean, we know that Tyler Toffoli has got a history of being a, a goal scorer, but uh, to the extent that we've seen this year, it, it has been, uh, it's been remarkable to see. Uh, but, Rick, we've been sort of dancing around it. It's the elephant in the room a little bit. Yoel Armia, uh, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, they are on the NHL's uh, COVID protocol list. Uh, that happened Monday as we were waiting for a Habs game to kick off a three-game set against the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid. We were anxiously awaiting that, and uh, boy, I, I was I was just uh, on my exercise bike. I was I was looking forward to the game and, and perhaps having a little bit of a cheat uh, experience with some chips and whatnot <laughs> and getting ready for that. And then... Uh, yeah, so Yoel Armia, Yasperi Katkaniemi on the COVID protocol list, which which sort of came out of nowhere. And, of course, the North Division has not experienced this. The closest thing that it came to was actually the last time the Edmonton Oilers were in Montreal, as you pointed out, uh, Yessi Pugliarvi. Uh, so this is uh, not something that the North Division has been accustomed to, but you were sort of waiting for this to happen. It's sort of the reality of what's what the world is right now. We've seen postponements uh, south of the border. Uh, this was the first uh, situation that caused a game postponement north of the border. Um, and uh, the, the Canadians, the league, the uh, health, uh, provincial health uh, officials were all involved uh, in making the decision uh, to postpone games with uh, one player uh, going on the list and the other player uh, being um, added uh, because of contact tracing. Um, and uh, it was uh, confirmed uh, later on, and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, get to um, Mark Bergevin's word, uh, words, but it was confirmed that uh, there were positive tests. Um, 
consecutive tests and that uh, the league was... It's interesting because the league has never admitted um, that there's uh, a player-to-player spread on on ice, uh, even though we saw that with the New Jersey situation earlier in the year. But I think that they were concerned about that and and, uh, uh, particularly because the test revealed it was a variant um, and yeah. uh, so they they acted quickly uh, and uh, and and shut down the games for the week and um, it it um, uh, you know I I think that was what that was the right um, uh, move and and yeah. as as the list came out each day at five o'clock you know the players tested every day those same two players were on the list all through the week and it didn't spread beyond that so I think that's that's a positive uh, thing for the Montreal yes Canadiens. absolutely you do not I mean it's and I'm speaking from and going back to the Raptors there was a you know they've just dealt with that where they've had guys they had their coaching staff and Pascal Siakam who missed in a, a period of time they missed a game and then you were wondering well how are how is everyone else not impacted by this right how are the other guys not impacted and sure enough there was two other guys, four other guys, five other guys, right? Like that's the fear that you have is that there's that exposure. These guys being around each other a little bit, you know, every day, it's, it's, it's a fear that you have that it can spiral out of control a little bit. And it did not for the Montreal Canadiens in this case. And that is a very fortunate thing because we know the transmission, it is, it's very easy, right? It's not, and especially with a variant, right? It's, it's even more so. So it's, it's very lucky the Canadians got out of this, uh, with just two guys, of course, not a situation that you want to have happen. But as I said, this is the reality. This is sports in a pandemic world. This has happened in other le- in other divisions in the NHL, but of other leagues as well. So you were sort of waiting on this. The North was not going to go on skate. There was going to be some situation like this. And, and the Montreal Canadiens, unfortunately, were that team. Uh, but as you said, the smart decision, delaying games uh, up until... March 28th. So that is the smart move here in this situation. Unfortunately, as you said, nothing came of it beyond those two guys. But Rick, in this in this week, right? We were we were we were preparing for a show with one game to talk about. So Mark Bergevin was gracious enough that he gave us a trade yesterday <laughs> to talk about something tangible. And uh, it was actually a pretty significant trade. Uh, the Canadians have acquired Eric Stahl from the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for a third and a fifth round pick in the 2021 NHL entry draft. That is their own third and fifth, by the way. They do own uh, thirds and fifths, uh, two other thirds and fifths in this year's draft. Uh, so that is the, the reason why they are able to sort of give those two picks away and feel pretty comfortable because they have Chicago and Washington's third and Ottawa and Philadelphia's fifth. But they give up their own two picks and uh, they get a guy in Eric Stahl who uh, I think Mark Bergevin might actually be attempting to recreate the 2010 Team Canada Olympic roster with uh, Corey Perry, Eric Stahl, and Shea Weber. But uh, yeah, another guy who's won a Stanley Cup, who has that experience coming off of a season last year. I mean, 47 points, pretty good production. Of course, the Buffalo Sabres are the Buffalo Sabres, uh, and this year has not gone well, but the Montreal Canadiens get a veteran guy in Eric Stahl. 
Well, it's it's interesting what you mentioned uh, that that Team Canada group. Uh, <laughs> it's it's also the class of two thousand and three draft. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric yep. Stahl, uh, number two overall. Corey Perry, first rounder, twenty eighth. Shea Weber in the second round, uh, number forty nine overall. Um, Canadians took Andre Kostitsin, by the way. Um, yeah. And uh, but but we talked last week about uh, the the expanding the the leadership core and yes. and how uh, on the bench calming the bench. Uh, Dom uh, uh, had uh, Descharmes had said that uh, it was Shea Weber and Corey Perry that were calming the bench. Now you can imagine that. Uh, that once Eric Stahl gets through his quarantine, that uh, he would also be part of that group, that that leadership group. Um, and you can't you can't go wrong with a guy from Thunder Bay. You know, yeah, you, you mean, just you, can, you always need one on yes. on your podcast or on your your hockey team on your team. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. But um, <laughs> I, I saw some people um, suggesting that that maybe a, thir- a third and a fifth was too much. Uh, mm-hmm. Given given Buffalo's situation, given that that Eric Stahl will be a rental, I think the situation you have here is the third was paying for the player, the fifth was playing for the uh, the money that the money. Uh, that uh, uh, Buffalo withheld half of his salary, one point six two five, and and that makes it more affordable for the Canadians who are cap strapped, and and uh, Mark Bergevin will tell you that. Um, yeah, <laughs> and uh, uh, needed needed that help. Um, and as you said, with uh, the Multiple. number of picks that the Canadians have, they have twelve left uh, for yeah. twenty twenty one. That's plenty for uh, what they need to do, and and maybe they can afford to uh, give up a few more to uh, improve their their cap space. But um, no, th- this this is an interesting move. It's it's. Uh, and and we're gonna delve further into this yes. in the in our uh, big segment in the second segment. And we got a, a, a important guest, uh, Joe Yurden, uh, who covers the Buffalo Sabers and Buffalo Sports, is uh, is going to join us to uh, uh, give us some insight an inside look to uh, Eric Stahl's year. Yeah, they give us the Buffalo side of things, and uh, I mean it's it's been well documented the Buffalo side of things this year have not been uh, not been great, but to provide that insight, and there's no better guy than uh, Joe Yard to do that. Uh, Rick, we will move on to the uh, Habs prospect report, and uh, this was a very interesting week, and you touched on it off the top, NCAA hockey going on, um, and the sort of Frozen Four, all of this, all those sorts of things. Uh, but at the beginning of the week, there was some very interesting news surrounding Jordan Harris. Uh, he has chosen to return to Northeastern for his senior year. And uh, this is something that the Montreal Canadiens, right? They there, there was a story we talked about it last week. The table two offers, and they sort of let him decide what route he was going to go. And ultimately uh, has decided to return to Northeastern. He's going to return to Northeastern uh, for his senior year. Um, He's been named captain uh, of uh, the uh, 2021-2022 team. Um, He's a Hobie Baker nominee. Um, He was an assistant captain this past year. Uh, He finished tied for the uh, team lead in assists and and third on the team of points in points and uh, uh, this is this is a guy that uh, has has worked his way up the uh, 
the Canadians' uh, depth chart, and um, and and when named captain, uh, Harris said it means the world uh, to be voted as captain from our coaches and teammates and peers. It's a huge honor and really special to me. Um, and I th- I think that um, there was probably probably some pressure put on Jordan Harris. Um, you know, the Canadians have an issue on defense right now, and it's thought. Yeah. Uh, that Jordan Harris uh, could be, uh, you know, ready enough to uh, to step into the line uh, the lineup. Um, so we we saw that it was leaked to uh, to one media member uh, that he had this uh, this decision to make, and of course fans were um, immediately jumped on and said, "We need you, we need you, we need you," and and maybe that's true. Uh, but fortunately, Jordan Harris, uh, you know, with his advisors, with his family, sat down and, and talked about what would be best for him. And uh, finishing his education was a priority. Uh, and they stuck to their guns and, and turned down yeah. uh, the, the two offers, um, one to either start in the AHL or one to, to uh, uh, take his ELC right away. Um, and uh, is is going to go back with the Huskies for uh, for his senior year. He'll be there with Jaden Struble, um, and uh, I, I I give a lot of credit to someone who has the strength of character and the and the vision and a plan and following through on a plan when you know somebody's dangling these baubles in yeah. front of you. Uh, that says a lot about his character, and and uh, I, I think raises the value uh if anything um for a player uh, a player like that and listen and this is something that i there's a sense of urgency that i can understand because as amy johnson alluded to on the most recent uh, the press zone montreal podcast this opens the door potentially for a jimmy vc or a uh, will butcher like situation where he can choose his destination but it seems as though as Amy Johnson alluded to on that on that same podcast, the Montreal Canadiens have indicated that Jordan Harris remains committed to the Montreal Canadiens going forward. So that is uh, that is to say that we don't really know at this point. Mm-hmm. We just have to take it everyone at their word and go on forward and be patient and see what comes. As uh, I, I'm borrowing a lot from Amy Johnson on this because <laughs> she's so good at what she does, but uh, uh, regardless, we just have to wait and see how that all unfolds. But for now, Jordan Harris returning to Northeastern. And yeah, as you said, a, a good decision for him. Uh, it's great when guys just come to the decisions that are that are beneficial for them before thinking about, you know, what someone else might need or what, what someone else needs. It's, it's great to see that. But regardless, Rick, we'll move on because as uh, we touched on, the NCAA regional tournaments began on Friday with uh, Habs prospects participating. Rick, you had uh, Cole Caulfield, Jack Gorniak, uh, Blake Biondi, Arvid Henriksen, and Luke Tuck uh, all participating uh, in their uh, regional tournaments. And listen, um, if if you want uh, information on that, uh, then you mentioned Amy Johnson. Uh, she is covering the uh, the regionals, the NCAA regionals, and um, so if if uh, you want that information, go to ahl.report. Uh, follow at uh, the AHL Report on Twitter, and uh, we'll have all kinds of information there for you on um, on all the the. Uh, uh, Canadians prospects, um, as you mentioned, uh, Caulfield and Gorniak from Wisconsin. Uh, Blake Biondi is playing at UMD. 
uh, Arvid Hendrickson from Lake Superior State and Luke Tuck with uh, Boston University. Um, it's it's um, and 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 I guess there's there's a couple of situations uh, that I'll just mention that uh, um, COVID has also struck that tournament. <clears throat> so two teams have been removed from the tournament, being Notre Dame and University of Michigan. Yeah. Um, and um, and and the, their opponents have have moved on to the next bracket. Uh, but let's hope that they've contained things and, and, uh, that that tournament goes on, um, uh, you know, otherwise, uh, un, 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 unaltered. Yeah. It's, uh, definitely, yeah, it's, uh, as we say, it's, it's sports in a COVID world, right? It's, uh, not something that you want to see happen. So you just hope for the best, but Rick, uh, Cole Caulfield and the Wisconsin Badgers, unfortunately, uh, they were upset. Uh, by Bemidji State, uh, uh, six to three, on Friday. By the way, did I get that pronunci- pronunciation? Bemidji State is uh, Bemidji State. Yeah, All Bemidji's right. a beautiful place <laughs> in in Minnesota. Being uh, from Thunder Bay, we drove through there many times. There's a, a lovely statue where you stop and get your picture taken of uh, Paul yeah. Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox, and it's just a, a lovely little community. Uh, Bemidji State, uh, as many of the the uh, mich- um, Minnesota schools pretty strong in hockey this year. They were kind of a um, uh, maybe a surprise addition to the tournament, uh, and Wisconsin, the number four overall seed in the tournament. So um, uh, this was a I would this was a huge upset by Bemidji, yeah. and um, I mean they deserved it. Uh, they played really well. They're very good defensively. They shut down um, uh, the powerhouse. Uh, um, and that being uh, University of Wisconsin, uh, Cole Caulfield, uh, Dylan Holloway, Jack Gorniak, we mentioned, um, and uh, at, were up uh, 5-1 at one point, and, and it, the game ended up 6-3. So uh, Cole Caulfield, I mean, <laughs> if you look at his stat line, uh, two goals and assist for three points and 13 of uh, Wisconsin's 33 shots. Uh, so he was... Um, he was firing from all angles, trying to uh, get uh, Wisconsin back in the game. Didn't turn yeah. out that way. So uh, season ends for both uh, Jack Gorniak and Cole Caulfield. Yeah, and of course, that was uh, Habs fans kept a close eye on that and were tuned in to see uh, how Cole Caulfield performed. And of course, Jack Gorniak, you cannot forget about Jack Gorniak, uh, also a member of the Wisconsin Badgers, but uh, yeah, sometimes a little bit overshadowed, uh, but Still a, a nice-looking prospect. Uh, regardless, Cole Caulfield, um, he's, he's had quite the year, right? I mean, the uh, the win at the uh, World Juniors with the Team USA. So he's experienced that high uh, this year. So here he is reacting to the low of losing uh, to Bemidji. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough feeling. It stings right now. I mean, it just happened. It's all that's on my mind right now. And- just, uh, it's not the best feeling in the world right now. Uh, can you catch that he was a bit emotional by the tone of his yeah. voice? He was really emotional. He was devastated after. Um, they didn't expect. They didn't expect this. Wisconsin, you know, the, they have Hobie Baker candidates in in Holloway and Caulfield. They have two forty point scorers in Caulfield and and uh, Linus Weisbach. Yeah. Uh, Bemidji has no NHL pros- draft picks on their team. 
they were they were um, you know heavy underdogs, and so this was this was a shock. This was a surprise, and and uh, Caulfield and and uh, he wasn't the only one. Uh, yeah, the other Wisconsin players were really uh, upset and emotional after the game. Yeah, and and speaking of of his teammates, uh, here is Cole Caulfield talking about his Wisconsin Badger teammates. Um, it's obviously nowhere near where we wanted to finish, but um, you know we created a lot of memories together, and it was one of the closest teams, probably the closest team I've ever been on, you know, in my hockey career. So um, I love every one of these guys, and um, just uh, it's a tough feeling right now. Caulfield again emotional and and yeah. I think that uh, until I started covering uh, college hockey I didn't really un- I thought it was similar to junior hockey it's 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 that same age group but it's different and and these yeah. guys are together and especially during uh, a COVID season and and spending a lot of time together and at the age they're at uh, it, it's a really tight bond and uh, and it's it's tough for them to have such a great season. And then for it to end so quickly in a one-game uh, tournament. Yeah, it's it's got to be gut-wrenching, a gut-wrenching experience, and especially the sort of remember back to I think it was a couple weeks ago we were talking about Cole Caulfield semi semifinal performance where he scored the game-tying, game-winning goal. Like those are the types of things that you go through with your teammates, and you remember that for a lifetime. You want to have some positive memories of winning together and, and having that ultimate experience. And unfortunately came up short here. And, uh, but, uh, but that's, but that's how professional, that's how sports goes, not professional yeah. sports, but sports in general. Um, so of course, what's next for Cole Caulfield? <laughs> He's asked about his next steps. Um, I haven't even thought about it yet. Uh, I mean, this obviously just happened. Our season just ended and you know, I just can't even think about that you know, as of right now. So, um, obviously you got to take a few days and, um, figure it out from there. But right now, you know, it's a tough thing to deal with uh, losing with uh, the team that you're part of. Yeah, you can't expect him to. Uh, he's there with his teammates. He's he's a Wisconsin Badger. Uh, yeah. His season ended. Uh, he can't think about anything uh, further. Um, Mark Bergevin um, uh, in the press uh, conference this morning was asked about Cole Caulfield. Uh, and he just kind of said, I'll get back to you in a couple of days with, you know, a wink kind of thing. So, yeah. uh, but, but it's, it's, it's not, not fair to, to ask Cole Caulfield to, uh, uh, talk about it just yet. He needs, he needs a few days with his family to, to figure things out. Yeah, for sure. And that's, it's the same thing that it goes back to the conversation about Jordan Harris. I think that's the best way to go about it is just have an honest discussion and see what's exactly best for you going forward. Because I know the temp- the temptation might be there to just say, well, that's the NHL. That's that's my step to professional hockey. That's what I've always wanted to do. But yeah, it's a, a good step to just uh, discuss it thoroughly. And um, one thing that we've heard a lot about um, and it's been Mark Bergevin, it's been others that have been talking about the sort of growth of Cole Caulfield that we've seen. But before we get to that, here's Tony Grano talking about the character as well. He had no quit in him. He had a phenomenal year. He had as good of a year as I've ever seen any college player have. You know, right to the last second, he was scratching and clawing and doing everything he could to try to help us get back into that game. So, I mean, it says a lot about his character. It says a lot about his development this year. Uh, it tells you what kind of a player he is. 
That's pretty high praise from Tony Granato, yeah. his coach. Uh, not only the best player he's coached, but the best college season that he's ever seen. Uh, that's really high praise and and uh, alludes to, I mentioned the 13 shots. Uh, he mentions that uh, Cole Caulfield was uh, scratching and clawing, trying to do everything he could to get his team back into that uh, game when they were uh, down 5-1. Yeah, and I mean that's that's something that you that's a development that you want to see happen if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan because we know that there is that that shot that that NHL caliber shot that has been the calling card of Cole Caulfield. You've just been waiting for other aspects of his game to develop, including that sort of the mental, the emotional side of the game that you want to see a little bit more fight out of Cole Caulfield sometimes, and. Yeah, in that way, um, Mark Bergevin's talked about the growth, and here is Tony Granato talking about the considerable growth in uh, Cole Caulfield's game. You know, I don't know what else we could have asked of him as a player and, and as a leader, and, and from his from where he was in the last year, which you, you got to remember, he led the Big Ten in scoring as a freshman. That's not easy to do, and so he had a phenomenal year, but he's come miles into to uh, uh, you know the, the growth of his game. And so I, I uh, uh, am really, really proud of him. Uh, I know it's a hard year when you've got, you know, the, the, your professional team sitting there, you know, waiting for you. Uh, it's hard to stay focused. It's hard, you know, to be challenged every game when every other team is looking at you thinking, okay, we're going to figure out how to shut Caulfield down tonight. And, and he found a way every night uh, this year to, to leave it on the ice for us, set a great example for the rest of our team. And uh, he's got a lot to be proud of. I know his teammates are proud of him. I know as a coach, uh, like I said, I asked a lot of him this year. And uh, everything I asked of him, and he went above and beyond. We've heard that uh, Cole Caulfield, and we've seen it. Uh, he's he's uh, playing a more complete game this year, and Mark Bergevin talked about it. Here, I think it was interesting uh, that, uh, that Tony Granato talked about his focus. Um, his focus and able to stay in the moment, stay with his teammates. Um, there he is each night being the target of the other team. And yeah. uh, Tony Granato went on to talk about the number of my, uh, major penalties uh, that uh, Cole Caulfield has drawn uh, for players that are going after him, headshots and whatnot. Um, and, and Cole Caulfield just uh, gets up, stays focused, um, and, and uh, you know, is able to put all of that uh, out of his mind and just focus on the job at hand, including knowing that the Canadians uh, are waiting for him. Um, he's, he's put that out of his mind and focused on the, the job at hand and, and uh, helping his teammates, and, and that led to a great season for him and, and a very good season for uh, the Wisconsin Badgers. And, and I think that bodes well for Cole Caulfield because if he can channel that, because there's, you know, how, how is Cole Caulfield going to make someone else pay for a headshot or a, or a hit that he doesn't like, right? It's going to be a goal. It's going to be making them pay on the power play. So the fact that he's beginning to show you, he's going to channel that, that, that energy into being that kind of a player. That's uh, that's pretty good to see. That's pretty fun to see. Um, but Rick, of course, we know that Cole Caulfield has a decision to make. We know that Mark Bergevin, as you alluded to, a little bit of a nod and a, and a, and a wink in, in respect to, uh, with respect to being asked about Cole Caulfield. Uh, here is Tony Granato talking about Caulfield being in a good position to make a decision. 
he's going to get a call, I'm sure, from his agent and from Montreal real soon. You know, the Canadians watched him play this year. Uh, the scouts all watched him play this year. Um, you know, so they have a plan. Uh, I, you know, I don't know that plan. I'm assuming that plan is to try to get him up there as fast as they can. Um, so, you know, he'll have to answer to some calls here really quick. I think the best thing, you know, for him to do right now is just um, kind of reflect on the year, um, kind of, you know, get away from it for a little bit, talk to family and, and, and the people that he needs to about, you know, making the next decision. Um, but from what he's done and how he's played, you know, he's given himself a really nice option. He's just in a good place uh, to make that yeah. decision. And, and he just needs to, um, you know, be smart about it and, and make a good decision for him uh, and his family. And, and uh, again, uh, Granado's talking about that focus uh, and, and kind of brush everything else out and, and sit with his family, um, reflect on what has happened this year and make the right decision. Yeah. And, uh, you know what, it's, it's something that, that might be easier, easier said than done. I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be a very interesting thing to see where Cole Caulfield ends up, what decision that he comes to, but you hope that he does so with his family, with those close to him and, and, you know, looks at all of his options going forward. Uh, but Rick, we should say that, uh, you should be sure to listen and subscribe to the Press Zone Montreal podcast. And uh, this past week, uh, the latest episode with Dan Robertson as a special guest was really great. And it was a great interview. And we're going to be touching on an aspect of that interview in the uh, Eric Stahl conversation that we're going to have a little bit later on. But you're certainly going to want to check that out, as, as I've made mention a couple times. Uh, Amy Johnson, uh, very good at what she does, as well as, as well as we, we all know that you're great at what you do, too. I say that every week. But Amy Johnson, uh, very good at what she does. So uh, you're definitely going to want to check out the latest episode of the Presso Montreal podcast and subscribe for future ones. So, Rick, uh, we will move on to uh, Mark Bergevin, who we sort of discussed a little bit there. Uh, he had a media availability uh, regarding the COVID situation and the game postponements. And uh, we'll begin with a clip of him discussing, uh, discussing excuse me, the reason for the postponement of the games. Yeah, there was one player that, that the test came back positive and there was close contact, so the league didn't want to take any chances and then we retested again and it came back again. So, but so far I could tell you that it's so far it hasn't spread. So if we keep in the same pace until Monday afternoon, we should be okay to come back. So this was uh, his, he had multiple press availabilities this week. This is the one on Thursday <laughs> morning specifically to talk about uh, the COVID situation and and the postponement of games. And, and he says that um, uh, there was uh, multiple positive tests uh, from, uh, the, uh, from the same player, but only one player. Um, doesn't identify who that is. Um, he did uh, say that it was the, the COVID variant um, and that the other uh, player who was added to the COVID, the league's uh, public list that they put out every day uh, was added because of uh, uh, contact tracing that that, uh, that person was in, in uh, close contact. So uh, it, for precautions, that was, that was necessary. Yeah, and of course, I mean, this is the reality, as I said, of professional sports now with with a pandemic going on, and it's a very scary reality, but it's one that you face nonetheless. And Mark Bergevin faced that himself because he also discussed 
his own COVID test results. I had a false positive myself a little while back, and uh, Dr. Mulder called me in the afternoon, and then I quarantined for 48 hours with two negative tests the next day. So it did, we had a few false positive. Uh, actually, it happened to me twice. Actually, it happened to me twice, he said. So well, yeah. Mark Bergevin has been through this situation twice where he's had uh, false positives. Uh, he's quarantined for 48 hours and uh, and then been cleared. Uh, so it's uh, the Canadians have had some close brushes up until now. Yeah. Uh, and, and this was the first situation where um, where it was truly uh, a, a positive test uh, for the for the players. Um, and, uh, but, but him being, you know, uh, uh, a, a concern as well. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, a close brush, I mean, there was the Yessi Pugliarvi situation where you were waiting for days after it was like, is, is anybody going to be affected by this? Right. Is there going to be a, a bigger situation to come of this? And ultimately it didn't. And, uh, but yeah, for Mark Bergevin, a couple false positives, uh, so he's been through that situation. Uh, so Bergevin was asked, are all the Canadian staff okay? I can't comment on that. Okay. Well, that's rather telling um, uh, that he can't comment. So it suggests, um, you can interpret that how you wish, but it suggests that um, it's been contained with respect to the players, uh, but there may be issues uh, with respect to the staff uh, as we know, the staff uh, uh, are not part of the um, uh, the league's uh, COVID protocol public list. So um, Mark Bergevin can't comment on that or can't identify uh, who's been involved. Yeah, so there was no real answer, no definitive answer to that question. But uh, the one thing that you had to wonder out of all of this, and uh, it was a question that came up, are the Montreal Canadiens, is Mark Bergevin going to be making a trade deadline move? We have no cap space, so I mean, it's money in, money out, and expectation to do something at a deadline, it's probably very unlikely, so it doesn't really affect anything. Very hmm. unlikely. Interesting. Um, very unlikely. Yeah. Extremely okay. unlikely. There's no cap space. And if a deal's made, it has to be money in, money out. Yeah. Okay. That makes complete sense. It makes complete sense. Um, so this he's not going to be making any moves. No. This was Thursday. And the Montreal Canadiens have not made it. No, wait, check that. They've made a move. Okay. Uh, we'll be coming back to that. But Mark Bergevin, uh, what, was, what were his expectations for the trade deadline? This is on Thursday. Once you become a team against the cap, it's money in, money out, unless you start giving up assets that you don't. No, it's not. I wouldn't be expecting a lot on, on, on uh, near the deadline anyway, regardless of the, the week off. Okay, money in, money out. I'm writing that down. Yeah. Okay. Not expecting much. And re remember, this is, okay, this goes back to a, a media availability the previous week where he said that nothing was going to happen. Yeah. Um, this, this, presser was about the the covid situation but but uh the reporters weaseled in a couple of questions about uh, the trade deadline and again he kind of doubled down uh and explained the cap situation and that he wasn't going to be able to make any moves at least it was very yeah. unlikely it was very unlikely and then it became likely but rick we will uh take <laughs> we're gonna get to that later but uh rick there was some very, very interesting news this week uh, surrounding NHL official Tim Peel. 
Um, the NHL announced that Tim Peel will no longer work games now or in the future. This stems from an incident, a hot mic incident, where it picked up audio from Tim Peel saying that he wanted to call a penalty on a Nashville Predator player and acknowledging that the call that he made was soft, but he wanted to do it earlier in the game, and he also used some language that I'm not going to use because it's a family show. Um, So, Rick, this was a situation that had a lot of people talking, obviously. It was the uh, topic of the day, uh, and Tim Peel is no longer an official for the NHL. Tim Peel is not going to get any kind of defense from Montreal Canadiens fans, given... Um, their their uh, impression of of mm-hmm. his calls over the years. Chris Lee would be in yeah. that same situation. Um, so there was um, there was not many tears in in uh, in Canadians land uh, about this happening, um, and the 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 NHL kind of uh, the the statement they released. Uh, said that uh, you know there's integrity in the game and this violated the integrity and uh, you know now that that was looked after everything's fine again yeah. and um, I mean <laughs> it's all so silly because um, it's just we know we know yeah. that um, that that the the calls on the ice are situational mm-hmm. um, they're situational the you know. Uh, there's been a number of of reporters who have done the athletic most recently have done studies on the fact that um, that ninety percent of the games end up with the teams within one penalty of each other. Uh, there is even up um, and it's yeah. it's not it, it it has nothing to do with uh, them committing equal infractions. It's that uh, the the league likes it this way, likes their officials to call an equal number of penalties, uh, so there is some evening up. There, there, uh, you know, it's harder to get a call uh, to go two two men down. It's harder to get a, a call in overtime. It's it's harder to get a call in the playoffs. Um, yeah. That the referees are are managing the game. They're not uh, calling the game by the rule book every. Uh, moment through the game it's 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 known uh and the difficulty is going to be once you place bets on those things the number of penalties Mm -hmm. that's going to have a huge impact and people have been talking about that because of this incident once betting and predictability comes into it uh, the NHL is going to have to address this and start calling uh, things by the the book rather than this game management system that they've uh, been under so far. Yeah, and you know a lot of the conversation coming out of this was well, okay, this this might change something, and I, it's it's not going to change. I don't think nothing much is going to change from this. And I think it was it was somebody I, I might have been Mike Johnson, but there was a lot of conversation about this this week, so I might be misquoting. But regardless, the point is that is the internal monologue. What Tim Peel said out loud is the internal monologue 
of an NHL official, that they wanted to do some game management, get things under control as they saw fit. And Tim Peel said it out loud, and he said it as a somebody was, you know, just checking the audio on that mic, and it was an unfortunate situation for him. But it's something that we know happens. We've seen it. We know that it, it exists, and it happens. So I don't think as much is going to change out of this. But, yeah, as you said, that, that is a component of it as well with betting and everything moving in to uh, be a bit more of a at the forefront for the NHL. That's something that you're going to want to have uh, shored up a little bit. But Rick, we'll move on because Sean Burke, in addition to Mark Bergevin this week, Sean Burke had his first media availability, the director of goaltending of the Montreal Canadiens. And he, he discusses the experience that he brings to the position. And he has a lot of it. Um, and just yeah. before we get to that, there was a couple of other stories that kind of ah, yes. uh, got under my skin a bit. Yeah, well, no, there was there was one story about uh, that's important, uh, and it'll be more yeah. important later. That the uh, federal government has moved to uh, to reduce the quarantine time from fourteen days to seven days um, when a player moves from the U.S. to Canada. That's that's. That's going to be very important. The other story that kind of came out this week uh, that uh, involved a Canadians player, that was Carey Price. It was, um, uh, yeah, Angela posted a, a photo on yeah. Carey Price's Instagram. Beautiful photo of, of uh, Carey Price with Liv. Carey's got a bit extra time this week. Sat mm-hmm. down to teach Liv how to uh, uh, tie fly fishing ties, uh, flies. And... Um, a uh, great picture, and um, a, a, a reporter. Um, you know, we've said we've said we we steer clear completely uh, from political things, uh, but a reporter from CBC took that and and made the situation political of a beautiful photo, and and uh, and we 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 just would prefer rather than this kind of activist kind of media situation that uh, that that we stick to the story and the story was obviously a sweet story about uh, uh, Carrie and uh, and his daughter it was it was it was great um, it was a lovely photo lovely lovely and and as Canadians fans enjoy it for what it was meant to be rather than jumping on one political side or the other is is all I'd, I'd uh, to our listeners, that's all I'd suggest. Yeah, and Rick, as I I, I jumped uh, <laughs> I jumped a little bit too far no, there, that's but the fine. Sean Burke the Sean Burke story, uh, yeah, is is a very interesting one, and it obviously very much Carey Price at the forefront of that as well. Uh, but just to comment on the the quarantine period, I mean, that's something that is going to factor into the trade that we're going to discuss with Eric Stahl. So that's something that's definitely of note that, that we definitely want to mention, but we'll get back to Sean Burke because he's obviously got uh, an immense amount of experience here. And, and here he is talking about the experience that he brings uh, to this position. They've had a lot of success uh, at different points in their career. So uh, for me coming in here, it's um, you know, it's, it's working with them. It's, bringing hopefully some of the wisdom that I've gained over the years. You know, I've had a lot of experience, but um, uh, hopefully along with that's come some wisdom. I, I, I don't think there's probably many situations that our goaltenders are going to be in that I haven't been in myself. So there's, there's this, you know, the technical side of the game on the ice looking for certain things. But at this stage of these guys' careers, um, I, I, you know, I believe that a lot of it is, is more understanding 
what they're going through, feeling what they're feeling when they're on the ice at times. And, and uh, you know, I think that's something that I can bring to them um, that, uh, that should help them in the long run. A little bit of a different uh, approach than Stefan Waite, wouldn't you say? Stefan Waite yeah. was, was all about the details, all about uh, the technical aspects. Uh, Sean Burke is more a touch-and-feel guy that, that he can understand uh, the feelings and, and talk about those with his goaltenders that they may be experiencing because Sean Burke, um, you know, 800 and some odd games in, in the National Hockey League, uh, he's seen, uh, he had a long um, uh, uh, playing career um, and uh, he's been through many of the situations. Now, he said there's not many situations that he's been through uh, that that the goaltenders that he hasn't been through, I I I think I'd beg to differ there because <laughs> Sean Burke wasn't, with all due respect, at yeah. the same level. He was a bit of a, a middle of the road goaltender and and successful in his own right internationally and, yep. and whatnot, uh, and played in markets that were uh, a little bit calmer, let's say, than yes, yeah. uh, in New Jersey, in uh, Hartford, in Phoenix. Um, where there weren't the same uh, pressures necessarily. So, um, but but uh, my point here is that I th- I think he's going to be, he's much of a he's more of a big thinker, and I think yeah. right now his role is on the ice. But you're going to see him step back a, a little bit uh, from the technical aspects and think big about the goaltending department uh, and bring in a goaltending coach uh, and and think about drafting and development and transition and all those things that we like to talk about when we talk prospects. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, yeah, I mean, he's coming from, he's coming from a place of obviously having experience in terms of the fact that he was an NHL goaltender, but there's, there's levels to it, right? (laughs) There's, there's levels to it. And Carey Price, I think might have one of the toughest jobs in professional sports, which is being the NHL, the the starting goaltender for the Montreal Canadians. But uh, Rick, we will move on because he talked about the approach that he might bring to the table working with somebody like Carey Price. Well, I'm not going to say I've seen anything that's missing. I, I think the the goal for every player in this league is to be consistent. Uh, when you've played at as high a level as, as Carey has, you're always striving to find that level uh, consistently, and it's, um, it's never easy. So there's always little adjustments you make. There's, um, there's a foundation of your game. Again, he's a guy with a lot of experience. You know, I'm not coming in here um, to reinvent the wheel or to, uh, you know, teach him things uh, that he's never thought of. I, I'm coming in here to work with him to, um, you know, to try to find uh, maybe a little bit more consistency in a game plan. But that's that's a moving target as well. You're always adjusting. So not not reinventing him. Um, I, I think you know he was asked what's missing in his game, and he said nothing. Uh, there's yeah. there's nothing. It isn't it isn't about uh, changing the way he plays goal. Uh, I think uh, reporters, particularly in Montreal, and some fans forget how accomplished he is. Take a look at at the Montreal Canadiens goaltending records. Uh, you know. 
and and see what you find. And uh, and the Can- the Montreal Canadiens over their history have been known for uh, having great goaltenders, and yet you're going to yeah. find uh, Carey Price at at a lot of in a lot of those categories. Um, so uh, Sean Burke said, you know, he's he's not going to be uh, reinventing things, just helping him. Uh, deal with things differently and 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 to bring him uh, more consistency in his game plan uh, and um, and that's getting him to establish a game plan uh, that that doesn't necessarily focus on how the rest of the team is doing but just how he can prepare and how he can accomplish his game plan each and every game out so, yeah, you sort of touched on it there. There is a belief that Carey Price has not been at the level that you want him to be at from fans and from members of the media as well. So Sean Burke was asked simply, has Carey Price been off track? No, I, I, you know, I wouldn't say putting him back on track because that would sound uh, like I, you know, I feel that he's off track. And, and that's not the case at all. I, I think, again, I, I want to go back to maybe what I said earlier about consistency. This game is... Um, you know, is, is not easy. The, the goaltending position is, is very unique. Our, our game, whether it was by design or not, uh, really is built around goaltending. The, you know, you can have uh, lots of game plans, you can have lots of strategy, but the X factor is always goaltending. If goaltending is good, you usually have a chance to win. I don't think I have to worry about, you know, helping Kerry get back on track. I, I think my role, again, is to, is to you know, recognize when there's certain situations that my experience can help with and uh, try to keep us even keel and keep, you know, keep us moving forward where each night, whoever's playing out there gives us the best goaltending we can get. And, um, you know, that's where my experience comes in is I've been through uh, most of these situations, if not all of them. And, and again, uh, I just differ there, particularly with respect to the market. Uh, I don't think Sean yeah. Burke has, has experienced anything like Carey Price has experienced in Montreal. And, and we saw that with almost every question. This one, is Carey Price off track? In, in getting him back, is that this going to be the biggest challenge of your career? And Sean Burke, you saw it in his face. He was flabbergasted like, no, none of that is true. Um, all we're, all I'm here for is, is to, to calm things, uh, even out the effort, even out the, the performances and, and make sure that, that, uh, he simplifies his game and that he focuses on what he has to do. Uh, even when things, uh, as we've said, defensively, uh, on the penalty are collapsing around him, he, uh, just keeping him focused and, and, uh, and, and on an even keel. So, uh, it's, he's not so, uh, caught up in that. Yeah. And, and you touched on that, right? We, we talked about that and Stefan Wade touched on that, that he was so concerned about the defense. And obviously as you're, as a goaltender, that's playing in front of you. You have to be concerned about that to some degree. But he was overthinking, as you sort of pointed out, about trying to make up for the lack of defense in front of him, the lapses in front of him, and that ultimately uh, was not beneficial to him either. And since he's calmed things down, and this dates back to when Stefan Waite, remember we, we played that audio a couple weeks back, saying, okay, let's let's calm things down, let's focus on what we can control, and then Dominic Ducharme's implemented a little bit of a better structure defensively than existed uh, with Claude Julien. But 
regardless, there's the impression that still remains that Carey Price is somebody that is is at the end of of his prime, at the end of the road, sort of, so to speak. That that this is no longer that he's no longer capable of being that guy anymore. And and Burke was uh, was adamant saying that Carey Price has got a strong career ahead of him. Well, most of them, I would say. Uh, had hit points in their career where they, they needed to, to reinvent themselves. You know, Kerry doesn't need to reinvent himself here. This is a guy, um, you know, that, uh, that not only has had success, he's got a lot of good years ahead of him. And, um, and uh, you know, I think that, again, my role is, uh, is to come in here and to, and to build on that. It's not to, you know, tear things down and to start over or anything like that. It's to build upon the strengths we already have he talked about uh, and, and was asked about his experience with other goaltenders, and he said two things. Um, he said, first of all, that he has not, he, he's, he's worked with uh, good quality goaltenders, but he's never worked with, with an elite goaltender like Carey Price. And uh, they brought up uh, Briz Galov and Dubnik and, and uh, Mike Smith and Jason LaBarbera. And and um, Sean Burke said that that they were all at a stage in their career where they they perhaps needed to reinvent their game and carries carries not there at all, uh, so that the approach is is uh, is completely different. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> Carey Price, as we've seen, yeah, he's he's had the defensive performance improve in front of him. His numbers have improved because he hasn't had to really. Um, I mean, he still has <laughs> definitely played remarkably well, but there's been less to worry about for Carey Price since Dominic Ducharme took over. There's still some way to go. Obviously, as you mentioned, the penalty kill being one of those things. But he's been able, I mean, you saw it over a stretch of four games at a save percentage in the 950s. Like, he's been playing really, really well. And a lot of that is to do with some of these changes that we've seen. So speaking of changes, <laughs> Sean Burke was asked about potentially changing the way that, that Carey Price plays goal, preaching playing deeper in the net. Well, I mean, first of all, I'm not preaching anything, to be honest. Um, you know, again, I, I'm not... I'm not a guy that goes in somewhere and has a, you know, a set way of doing anything. I think that when, when you've played a long time, you understand that this game is, you know, is complicated at times. Things change. Uh, what you're trying to do is simplify it. So, you know, I think I have a, a philosophy on, uh, on what I believe, but to say that I want every goalie to play deep or I want every goalie to do the same thing, um, you know, that just wouldn't be true. I, what, I, what I want is I want our goaltenders to give themselves an opportunity to make every save. And I think that was when Sean Burke, and during his quarantine, was named. Uh, there was a reporter that went around and, and talked to uh, goalies that he had worked with before um, and asked what kind of advice. And, and um, I, I really, with all due respect... It's it's you don't understand the the, the position of goaltending if you think that uh, a goaltending coach is going to come in and use the same method for every single goaltender. That's just that's idiotic. It really yeah. is. I'm sorry. It is. And Sean Burke said, uh, you know, there's this impression uh, in a separate clip out there that that uh, all my goaltenders play deeper. All of them stand up more. 
Um, no, I, I don't, I don't preach that. I don't preach all the same way. I, I, there's, there is no set way. Um, he went on to say that veterans and, and, you know, Carrie Price and, and Jake Allen, uh, fall into that category. They can determine for themselves where they feel most comfortable. Um, yeah. and, and, and that he's not going to, uh, uh, have that kind of prescription. Oh, you must stand here. You must use this form uh at all that's that's just not his his style and it's just kind of again and i sort of say this sometimes too where it's it sort of speaks to the the lack of a broader perspective on coaching and professional sports because if you were to look at a guy like a pitching coach and if you if you had a pitching coach that went from uh, coaching someone who had nasty off-speed stuff to a guy like a this chapman who can hit triple digits on a fastball a good pitching coach is not going to walk up to a Roldis Chapman and say, well, I think we need to develop your off speed stuff a little bit. Like it's, it's, it's not, it's not how it works. No, You use the personnel that you have, you play to their strengths, not focus on this worked with this guy. So it's going to work with this guy. It's, right. it doesn't work that way. So that's the one thing that I think that shows more than anything else. But Rick, we've touched on it throughout this. Kerry Price is not in an enviable position, <laughs> being the starting goaltender, the franchise goaltender of the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, Sean Burke talked about Montreal not being uh, an easy market. You know, Kerry Price over the years has done an incredible job of, uh, of, of playing in this market, being as successful as he has, and consistently dealing with all those things that go with it. <laughs> A nice way of, of saying that. And, and you know, he's uh, sometimes, uh, Carey Price is c- criticized for um, his lack of interaction, but uh, yeah. he's learned that from the media, that uh, they're going to be critical, they're going to say things, and so he just disengages from that and uh, is uh, politely answers the questions, but uh, doesn't give uh, much of himself because they will ma- make things uh, of it, as as we saw this week. Um, Sean Burke said what Carey Price has done uh, has been incredible in in dealing with with the Montreal market. Uh, Carey Price is not in Arizona. He's not in uh, even uh, the the Florida teams when they were um, not as strong as they they are now. Or or a Hartford. Carey Price is in uh, you know the most scrutinized goalie market in the National Hockey League. And uh, and has done a, a, an incredible job, and and I think that's high pri- praise from uh, Sean Burke. Absolutely, and yeah, it speaks to, I mean, Carey Price's uh, resilience in terms of understanding that there are going to be things that are said about him, and as as you know, some of it veering towards personal when it maybe should not, and he's understood that and he's grown with that and unfortunately that's the reality of of his situation i don't think anyone should really have to be subjected to that but that is part of being a goaltender in montreal unfortunately and uh it's a reality that he's grown accustomed to so with that what is the relationship like uh this is maybe a little bit in the early stages but what is sean burke's relationship like uh with carrie price but the relationship so far has been what i fully expected he's um you know, he's a very committed athlete. He's very serious about what he does. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's driven. He wants to win. And, uh, and he wants to learn. And, and uh, you know, when I say that, it, it's, it's always a credit to athletes. But it really is the truth that it doesn't matter how long you play or, you know, what level you're playing at, you can always learn. So um, that's, that's sort of been uh, 
my experience up till this point is that uh, there, there's there's a real, I guess, simple sort of way of looking at, at this, and that is that we all have the same goals here. So whatever we can do to uh, to help each other along the way here, I think that's that's going to be the plan. It seems to be a, a persistent, vicious narrative out there that Carey Price doesn't care, that he's aloof, and um, and, and none of that is is true. Um, he's, he's committed, as uh, Sean Burke said. He's driven. He wants to win. He wants to win in Montreal. And uh, and that was evident, as you said, that the, the relationship is just starting. Um, and yet, Sean Burke has figured that out already, that Carey Price... Uh, is uh, is committed to Montreal. Yeah, and uh, it's you know it's it's at a point where that should not need to be that should need to be said at all. I think that everyone is that should everyone should be aware that that is what Carey Price uh, is, and he is very much committed to Montreal. But uh, we still need to have that reiterated because of uh, yeah those those persistent stories of him not being that kind of a guy. But regardless, Rick. Uh, We are going to have a very interesting discussion coming up in the second segment. We're going to dive into the Eric Stahl trade and what that means for the Montreal Canadiens going forward if we expected it. And uh, we are going to have a a great interview with Joe Yerden as well. So stay with us here on the Canadiens Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Whalen 19. And with me in studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. 
Rick, uh, yesterday was quite the day uh, for the Montreal Canadiens and not in the way that we thought it was going to be leading into this week. We thought they'd be wrapping up a three-game set with the Edmonton Oilers. That three-game set did not happen. And so Mark Bergevin uh, was, as I said earlier, gracious enough uh, to give us a trade to talk about, to uh, give us a little bit more content out of this week. And uh, Eric Stahl becoming a Montreal Canadian, getting a good Thunder Bay boy. I think uh, you might need to get a Newfoundlander in the mix. I don't know if there's <laughs> any available at the moment, but <laughs> might need to get one just to just to add, add to so. the roster. Yeah. yeah, Adam Party. Maybe maybe see about Adam Party on the left side. <laughs> Regardless, Rick, the Canadians made this trade for Eric Stahl. What were your general thoughts on this move and I mean it was a little bit out of the blue I mean I saw yesterday Frank Saravalli tweet out the Montreal Canadiens were believed to be the front runner for Eric Stahl and in a, in a, man, a, a manner of, of moments it seemed the trade came to pass and Eric Stahl was a Montreal Canadian what were your thoughts on that entire process Mark Bergevin said that there were uh, two other teams involved looking at um, uh, Eric Stahl he said that uh that uh, he was being honest on Thursday when he didn't think anything was happening. He said that the trade came uh, together rather quickly, uh, although that he had had discussions over the weeks with Kevin Adams, uh, the GM in Buffalo. Um, so whatever whatever's true about that, we don't know. But um, listen, Eric Stahl is, is a player who's won. Uh, he's yep. a player uh, who has uh, solid character, um, he kind of along the lines of, of Corey Perry, uh, yeah. speed isn't going to be, uh, you know, an asset, uh, but he can certainly maybe on the second wave of the power play, park himself in front of the net and, and can chip in, um, a goal here and there. He's not going to be, um, he's not going to be a, a, produ- a, a producer like he was, you know, when he was with Carolina, but, um, He's he's someone that that can add some leadership experience, uh, maybe uh, strong down the middle, uh, and, and maybe be decent in the uh, in the faceoff circle. Although his numbers are off a, a little bit uh, this season, uh, but we'll talk more about his numbers uh, with uh, Joe Yurden yeah. uh, up in a few minutes. Um, you know, I, I think this was this is this is reasonable. Uh, for for Mark Bergevin, the, what he gave up and what he gave up to have the the salary with, withheld by uh, Buffalo is reasonable. Now um, you know he's, it still puts the Canadians really tight against the the cap. Yeah, um, and uh, we saw that the taxi squad swelled from four to six this weekend as they're trying to squeeze every dollar uh, out of uh, out of their their cap. Um, but listen, you know, it's, it's reasonable to ask what, what, uh, Eric Stahl has left. Um, but I think, um, you know, a, a, a chance to win and, and, and maybe there's, uh, we, we know that he, he, that, that Montreal was on his no trade list. He had a partial no trade and that Montreal was originally on it. He was asked to waive it. He did. Uh, wh- what the reason for that was, uh, we don't know. Yeah. Uh, but growing up in Thunder Bay, you're either a uh, Canadians fan or you're a Leafs fan, and we know that the entire Stahl fa- family grew up as Leafs fans, so um, maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah, perhaps it did. And uh, look, 
Eric Stahl, I mean, I had nothing. It, it was just sort of bizarre to see. This is this is where I'm coming from with this trade. It was just bizarre to see the Montreal Canadiens, not necessarily because Mark Bergevin said that it was unlikely the Canadians were going to do something, because when he says that, you're almost prepared for something to happen. But because if it was ever going to be something, if the Montreal Canadiens were ever going to make a move like this, you would have thought it would have been for a left-shot defenseman in the absence of Ben Sherratt. So it was unexpected from that standpoint, and we're going to get to that in a few minutes. But for Eric Stahl as as a player, this is a th- I, I like the addition. I think that this is something that could benefit the Montreal Canadiens, as you said, perhaps the second wave of the power play. I, je- I just think, in general, adding more guys that raise your ceiling a little bit offensively. How much can Eric Stahl do that at 36 years old? I, I don't think that he can do it in, in, in the same ways that he's done it in years past. He had 47 points last year. He sort of had a revival, remember, back to 2017-18 when he had 42 goals. And everyone was like, whoa, where's this been the last few years? I mean, he did have the season before 65 points, but there was sort of a downward trend in his play, and then he sort of ramped it back up again. And you saw, okay, this is Eric Stahl. This is the guy that that has been a very good NHL player for a long time. So when you add someone like that, it sort of, as you said, is reminiscent of adding Corey Perry to the mix. You're adding two guys here who are in their mid-30s, who won Stanley Cups one year after each other. Yeah, 2006 and 2007, one back-to-back years. Uh, Eric Stahl won 2006, Corey Perry in 07. So you're adding Stanley Cup experience, guys that have been battle-tested. That is not a bad thing. We talked about the expansion of the leadership group, and you sort of touched on Corey Perry being one of the guys, being vocal, and would assume that Eric Stahl now being added to that mix will be as well. And also getting out of Buffalo, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> you know, and uh, Joe Yurden is going to, as we, we said, he'll be here to discuss the Buffalo side of things, but it just seems like perhaps part of the reason why Eric Stahl might waive his no-move clause partial no move clause is because get get out of buffalo <laughs> is yeah. uh, you know yeah and 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 a, and a reason to continue his season or a reason to, yeah. to play you know eric stall adding an eric stall is the kind of move that you make when you have all the pieces in place for a stanley cup and and yeah. and you add that extra piece you know that extra leadership that that extra character player uh, the Canadians are not. I think it's safe to say the Canadians are not there, uh, but I think this was the the one piece that Mark Bergevin could add uh, without uh, throwing things too much into chaos. Now, Mark Bergevin yeah. has said over and over and over again that um, cap situation is dictating the way his uh, his lack of of action um, acquisitions at the trade deadline are going to play out. Um, he said no cap, uh, you know, very unlikely over and over and over again. But um, it was Elliot Friedman that uh, this week, uh, in his 31 thoughts, said uh, earlier in the week, said that nobody's buying what Mark Bergevin is saying, um, that uh, they think that he was going to make a move. They think that uh, particularly that he was in on or will be in on Matthias Eckholm. And um, we had the really good fortune on the Press Zone Montreal this week to talk to Dan Robertson, who um, I, I love when uh, Dan does the, the radio play-by-play, but uh, every so often we get him on the, the, 
the oh, uh, TV play-by-play. And I think he's terrific. I really enjoy his his uh, broadcast. And the thing about Dan is that he he is so even-keeled. He is so objective. He is a reporter's reporter. He doesn't come in with an agenda, and he goes in and he asks his question. And we had an opportunity on the press zone to uh, both Amy Johnson and I to talk to him. Um, and I asked him a question about uh, what he thought was was up with uh, Mark Bergevin. Here's part of the question, and here's Dan's answer. Um, Elliot Friedman today, uh, in his 31 Thoughts, says the, the GMs that he's talked to aren't buying that, uh, that they figure that Mark Bergevin is going to uh, make an acquisition, and the GMs that uh, Elliot's talked to believe that Bergevin is in on Matthias uh, Ekholm from... Um, uh, Nashville, what 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 do you what's your impression of of uh, what Mark Bergevin said, and 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 maybe more importantly, what he meant? There's no doubt, as we all know, it's it's tougher to make deals this year, and uh, there's just some ramifications around them that make it a little a little harder, right? How long does a player have to to wait if he's acquired uh, by your team until he can play a couple of weeks? Um, that's that's significant look i i don't i'm not going to say he wasn't telling the truth but if you look at the way he's approached this year right after right after they acquired cory perry i actually asked him a question and about perry he kind of changed the answer he said and it kind of stood out he said this this proves that we can beat other teams uh in a lot of different ways and then so then he goes on and he changes coaches. Then he changes goalie coaches, right? So mm-hmm. it's, I don't know if he's feeling pressure. I i guess you're always under pressure when you have his job, but I'm pretty sure he's trying to maximize what he can for this year. They got off to that great start, and I, I would just have a hard time believing that he's not trying to shore up the defense. Have a hard time believing, and why? Because, uh, according to Dan, he wants to first that he's feeling pressure, and yeah. and that he wants to maximize how far the Canadians are able to take this season. Now, whether that's self-preservation and protecting his own job, or that uh, they just need, a, you know, a, a success, a victory, something to talk about. Um, and you heard Dan say, I'm not saying that he's, he's not telling the truth, but, but, uh, seem to think along the same lines of, of, uh, Elliot Friedman, that, that something is going to happen. Now he was talking about, uh, improving the defense, as you said, yeah. uh, a puck moving defenseman. Um, and then, but, but this, the, the Eric Stahl acquisition also fits into Dan's theory about just being able to maximize how far you can go in the season. And boy, oh boy, I could listen to Dan Robertson talk for hours. Yeah. My God, the uh, the dulcet tones. But uh, uh, we should yeah. say that. Uh, let me just add to that. If you want to hear the full interview, is great. If you want to yeah. hear the full interview, uh, thepresszone.com or or search for the Press Zone and subscribe the Press Zone uh, on your favorite podcast app. Absolutely, you don't want to miss that. It was a fantastic interview, and Dan Robertson, as you said. Very objective, very down the middle, uh, reporter's reporter, as you said. So definitely going to want to check that out. But Rick, we, we've sort of had our say about this situation, the addition of Eric Stahl to the Montreal Canadiens. I think it'd be an appropriate thing to get a perspective from somebody 
uh, out of Buffalo that has that sort of knowledge of what's been going on in Buffalo and provide context to the season that's that that's been for Eric Stahl, where we we've, we've talked about it. He's not had that type of season that you'd expect when you say the name Eric Stahl. It's it's only been three goals, seven seven assists, and ten points. It hasn't been a pretty picture. So I think it'd be an appropriate thing to have an interview with somebody with the knowledge of a Joe Yurden. Well, I'm very happy to be joined um, by a longtime friend, Joe Yurden, and and Joe's the guy that um, you know. If I want to know anything about the Buffalo sports scene, if I want to have a a, a a good, vigorous hockey discussion, uh, or uh, want to discuss uh, the best West An- Wes Anderson movie, uh, Joe's your guy. He's the guy to go to. <laughs> good to talk to you again, here. It's always good to talk to you. So, um, listen, we, th- we thought uh, it was going to be uh, maybe a slow uh, trade deadline. Um, Sabres GM Kevin Adams said, uh, listen, I'm open for business. And uh, the first... Uh, Transaction, at least the important to uh, Sabres and Canadians fans, uh, happened on Friday afternoon. Yeah, Eric Stahl uh, was was certainly one of the more attractive pieces uh, to be gained from the Sabres roster, and uh, he was uh, considering he's on the last year of his contract. I uh, was not at all surprised to see that he was that he was moved, and um, him going to Montreal, I think, is is going to be a good fit. Um, you know, I, I know there's always been, it seems like every year there's always some sort of issues at center for, for Montreal. But, uh, but I mean, you know what you're getting in Eric Stahl for the most part. Um, I mean, he's 36. Uh, you're, you're not really looking for, you're not really looking for a long-term uh, solution there for, for him. You're just looking for help now. And I think he'll be able to provide that uh, for Montreal. I mean, anything's got to be better than, than how it's been going in Buffalo. So I'm, I'm going to look at it from that sort of perspective. So when the, when the Sabres traded for uh, Eric Stahl with Minnesota back in the fall in September, what what were they hoping to get? What were they hoping to add to the team? What was the plan? Yeah, there? they were looking for, I think they were looking for some stability behind uh, Jack Eichel, uh, most of all. Um, the previous year with Marcus Johansson being kind of shoehorned in at center uh, didn't really work very well, uh, mostly because Marcus is a much better player on the wing. Um, and he hadn't played center since his time in Washington, which was when he played there. When he played here last year, uh, it had been seven years since he had played center, um, and it just didn't quite click there. Um, the handful of games he had gotten to play on the wing, he looked much better, much more confident, and led to me screaming very loudly, like, "No, you need another center. You got to get, you got to get some help here. Uh, if you're going to get the best out of Jeff Skinner and everybody through the lineup, you need, you need to get a." get somebody else that can, that can move into the wing, but uh, that never materialized. And, you know, they ended up moving uh, Johansson to, to Minnesota for stall. And um, what it helped do was, was kind of solidify things behind Jack, which was good. Uh, but it gave somebody for Dylan Cousins to, to kind of learn from and, and grow from and uh, a nice veteran to, to, to lean on with him being in his first NHL. Uh, so from that respect, I think, it, I think he did his job. Um, I mean, you know, granted, there, there's so many problems with Buffalo this year. You can't, you can't really parse over the basic stats and say, well, this guy stinks, this guy's bad. Everybody looks bad. <laughs> Everybody looks really bad. But, uh, but Cousins had fallen into a role after he came back from uh, a very brief injury. And, uh, you know, he was one of the guys that got COVID 
about a month ago from from the New Jersey Devils. It, it, yeah, it's been that kind of year. But uh, but when he came back, he looked much more confident, uh, much more secure player, and he looked very good at center. So that it kind of opened the door to to, to be able to make uh, Eric Stahl more available. Certainly, the Sabers having about six wins uh, didn't help matters uh, in that respect either. As well as Jack being out for who knows how long he's still going to be out for. Um, so you know, yeah, the team is open for business, and uh, Stahl was one of the more obvious guys to go. But yeah, I think for what they wanted from him, I mean, obviously the the team success didn't pan out. Uh, but for some of the the secondary reasons they got him, I think that that worked out as well as it could this year. I mean, obviously, it's not optimal, but um, for given all the circumstances and everything that's going wrong this year, I think what you can take away from it is that he, he helped Dylan Cousins, and the idea was the right idea. It was the right idea to get a guy like that. So a, a recent game I caught, a uh, Buffalo game, um, he was uh, on the second line, I believe, between Victor Olofsson and Cody Eakin, and um, but his his ice time has kind of been all over the map as 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 far as I've I've seen. So what what kind of what kind of role did he have, uh, and uh, and 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 how he, how was he uh, positioned in the lineup? Well, yeah, second line was was where he was at. I know that you know, in Buffalo, Ralph Kruger's thing while he was here was he didn't number lines, and you know, and, and that's fine, whatever, whatever, whatever helps you feel better about how you set up your lineup. That's fine, but. Um, but usage. Claude Julian said the same thing, and and look where they yeah, both are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, they're having a nice drink somewhere on a beach, just kind of having a laugh about things. Or something yeah. To that respect, but um, but it's uh, but yeah, the usage was is is a bit squirrely, just because you know if there's a line that's going a little bit better, he's going to lean on them a little more. Uh, I think towards the end, when he put together a line of Jeff Skinner. Curtis Lazar and, and Casey Middlestat, which doesn't sound like anything that should ever work. See, it was turned out to be one of the best lines while Jack Eichel's been out. Um, so that's so that's probably contributed to that in a little bit. But um, but I mean, there's been so much tinkering with with things through the lineup just to try to find something to work. Uh, but that's 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 a part of it. Obviously, whatever line you're putting Sam Reinhardt on or Taylor Hall on, which I think Stahl's played with both of them this year, if not both of them at the same time. Uh, for some periods, but um, uh, you know, when, when you're when you're when you're kind of messing around with things like that, you're just trying to find anything that works. And I think what happens there with with Stahl is that his style of play, where he's a puck possession guy, um, he's a setup guy. He's you know that that's what he's that's what he does best. He's not he's not a fill the net guy. I don't think he really ever has. But I mean, in the past, you know, hey. When he was younger with Carolina, yeah, okay, 30, you know, 25, 30 goals a year. Uh, but now he's more of a, I, I would say he's more of like a 15 to 20 goal guy in an 82-game season. And, you know, a 20 to 25 is this guy. Even at, even at, you know, being 36, which I know for the NHL is old, but it's still young to me, damn it. But, um, it's, uh, <laughs> me but, that's the, but that's the sort of, that's the sort of player that he can be. Now, I, I think if Habs fans are expecting him to come in and score goals, uh, you, you, you might be disappointed. Uh, but if you're looking for somebody to kind of balance things up the middle, especially while Deneau is out, um, I, I think he'll help out there because he's just he, he's a very balanced player. And I think being in a better situation like he'll be in in Montreal, I think that'll, you'll see an immediate boost there, at least compared to Buffalo. But uh, I don't know if that standard works for the Habs or not, but 
Um, but I think while, you know, while Deneau's still dealing with, you know, with his stuff and uh, they're, they're trying to find some kind of balance on their own, I think Stone will help with that. But I think, you know, Canadians fans are wondering what, you know, what are we getting in stall? And, and I think you're probably right in uh, a check of the stat sheet for this year is probably not going to lead you in the no. right direction. Um, and, and there's so many intangibles. Um, you know, you talk about the veteran leadership and he, and he, he has been uh, at times kind of the clutch guy. Um, but with all of this uh, difficulty in in uh, in Buffalo. What's his demeanor been like um, throughout the year? Well, uh, I mean, it, it's hard to have a ray of sunshine uh, while things have, have worn on while they've lost sixteen in a row. Um, that's impossible to to be upbeat about any of that. Yeah. Uh, I think he was very optimistic coming into Buffalo uh, that that you know that that things could be a little different. I mean, there's you know. You look at the beginning of the year. There's there's reasons to be to to be optimistic about things. You know, with Jack coming off a really great season, uh, you know, you're bringing in Cousins, and you're not, you know, you know, a top young talent. You're hoping that he's gonna that he's gonna take off. Obviously, there was the uh, the experience that he had in Carolina with Jeff Skinner, uh, Victor Olsen coming off a very nice first season. Uh, you know, Sam Reinhart just being one of the steady, just the, the, one of the steadiest scorers in the NHL. Um, there's reason. There are reasons to believe that that top six could score score and fill the net uh, quite a bit, um, and you know just everything went wrong. <laughs> Literally everything went wrong. And, yeah. Uh, when you're in a position like 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 Eric's in, where you know you may not have too many more kicks of the can. You know, I mean, he won. You know, I mean, he won a Stanley Cup in '06 with Carolina, but you know, at this point, that's 15 years ago. And his career is in a in a different place now, and it's winding down. And you want to be on a winner. You don't want to spend your time toiling with a losing team like this, especially one that doesn't seem to have any kind of identity uh, and has no idea what seemingly what they're doing. <laughs> so I, I would imagine his demeanor has not been been very pleased seeing how this is all turning turning out. And, um, and that's why you know that's why I was a, a bit taken aback when people were so blown away by Taylor Hall saying he, he would accept the trade <laughs> if they were asked if they asked him for <laughs> to waive his no trade clause. I'm like, wouldn't you? <laughs> wouldn't anybody? Yeah. Um, so I, I think I think Eric was, was probably relieved. I know and I know I think it just came out that uh, Montreal was on his list to not be traded to, but he waived to go, which I mean, hey, listen <laughs> again, why wouldn't you? <laughs> who wouldn't well, who wouldn't say yes? Well even even Eric growing up as a Leafs fan in Thunder Bay uh, has taken Montreal off his list to go there. So that's, that's all right. <laughs> what, uh, uh, Kevin Adams collects a couple of, uh, draft picks there. What, uh, what's your expectation? What do you, what do you expect to see next, uh, for the Sabres? Well, I, I think it's, I think it's pretty easy. You're going to see Taylor Hall moved next. Um, and you know, the idea there is going to be to get as much as you can for him, um, which is tough to do. You know, considering you look at, again, you look at the raw stats and it looks terrible. Um, but if you, if you dig deeper into the, the analytic stuff, which I mean, smarter teams, uh, you hope are doing that and decide that giving up, a, giving up yeah. a first round pick is worth, worth getting him. Uh, but if you just look at those raw numbers, you're, you're not impressed by any stretch, uh, which could be a problem. And, uh, you know, for Buffalo, I think you're looking at maybe a trade that reminds me like of the Vander Caden trade they made a couple years ago, uh, where it's a conditional first. You know, if, you know, whatever the conditions are, but maybe you're looking 
you know, what what could be a second turns into a first, uh, something along those kinds of those kinds of lines where you know, it stays, or if it gets to you know gets into the playoffs or, or what have you. But um, something along those lines is or, or is something I could see. Maybe that and like a you know, mid tier prospect, uh, just you know, just to send another player the other direction. But um, you know, if they had big ideas in the beginning of the year, that like you know, if they get if they start getting edged out of the playoff picture by the deadline, then maybe you move them for a big price. And that's not going to happen now, but um, but I think he's he's the next guy to go. Uh, and after that, I think maybe Brandon Montour, uh, who will be unrestricted uh, in mm-hmm. the summer. Uh, you know, right-handed defenseman. He's played better since since Ralph Kruger's gotten fired. I know it's hard. To, I know that's hard to parse, given that they're still losing. Um, but but he has looked better. He looked, you know, which you know, I mean, to me, that's kind of points of whatever Ralph was doing wasn't the right thing. Ralph and Steve Smith, but. Um, but I think I, I think Brandon Montour could be had. I know that they've kind of shopped him around for about a year now. Um, so you know, and I don't maybe I don't know if their opinion of him has changed now that, that Ralph's out. But uh, but I think the best thing for him and <laughs> for, for Brandon and for the team is probably just to part ways and, and call it a day there uh, and, and go on. But uh, aside from that. I mean, you know, the, I mean, the door is open, and in all, you know, there's enough big names to be like, maybe, maybe they can make a huge splash, but uh, I just don't see that happening right now. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna trade somebody like, you know, like Eichel, I mean, I don't think that's happening. I don't think that's happening now. You know, maybe a year from now, that's that that's a real discussion to have. But um, but even a guy like Sam Reinhart, if you're gonna move on from Sam for whatever reason. Um, I would wait till the off season to do that because honestly, that's it's that, yeah. that that's foolish to try to to try to figure that out. But uh, right now, I mean, it's yeah. a deadline. But uh, but I'd say yeah, Hall, Montour, and I don't know. Maybe if you can get somebody to take Cody Eakin. I know they signed him to a two year deal, but he's just been he's probably been their worst player, which on this roster is saying quite a bit. Uh, but he's been he's been their worst player by a lot, and that's. That's really tough to that's really tough to swallow considering considering they gave him I think it was two million a year or so uh, to bring him in uh, but yeah but uh, but yeah I mean as far as that goes yeah I, I mean the obvious ones are Hall and Montour and then I, everybody else aside from the big names are probably our wild card. You can follow him at Joe Yurden at Joe Yurden on Twitter. Joe, um, he's a terrific follow, by the way, uh, and and he's also uh, always been very generous with us, and we appreciate and and value each and every time we get to talk to him. Thank you, Joe. Uh, I really appreciate uh, you coming on uh, and talking about uh, the Eric Stahl trade. No, I'm always a treat to talk to you, Rick, and uh, it's uh, it's good to catch up with you again. Well, that was terrific insight from yeah. Joe, and and there there's none better. Uh, I've known Joe for for over ten years, and and uh, he's as good as it gets. He's uh, full of insight, and uh, as he said there, um, you know, uh, for this year, for for just about anybody on on the Buffalo Sabers, <laughs> you can toss out the stat sheet. Uh, he feels that uh, you know that that. Eric Saul came in uh, with with uh, a purpose, and uh, and because of the circumstances of the team, uh, things turned uh, sour, and 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 uh, thinks that uh, he will be a valuable addition uh, to the Montreal Canadiens uh, playoff drive. So, uh, thanks to Joe, and and uh, uh, w- uh, what a great interview.
Absolutely. It was a fantastic interview. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's Eric Stahl at the end of the day. I mean, this is a guy that's been around for a long time and there's going to be excitement about seeing him as a Montreal Canadian. That is for sure. So Rick, uh, we will take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. When we come back, uh, we're, we're going to pay tribute to somebody uh, that unfortunately lost their life this week. Uh, and we'll, we'll wrap this podcast up. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on the Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 129 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Uh, so, Rick, we touched on it last week, the uh, We're All a Little Crazy podcast uh, with Theo Fleury, and uh, this week, just a little bit more to come out of that podcast. Just a little heads up, a little preview that uh, we're going to have Theo Fleury and and uh, and a, a, a pal of his uh, on uh, that uh, that our co-hosts for the we're all a little crazy. We're going to have that on our April tenth show, uh, an interview, and and uh, we're thrilled to be part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We're all a little crazy as part of that, and this is an important podcast uh, that'll be launched yeah. in April about. Uh, uh, mental health and and sports and all kinds of fun things and so we're excited about that interview that'll be coming up then we just wanted to give you a heads up about it absolutely and, and rick we should say that the uh, montreal canadians upcoming schedule uh there is a little bit of uncertainty surrounding the game that was supposed to take place on the 28th 
tomorrow against the Ottawa Senators. That game's been postponed, but you would imagine that they are going to be playing on the 30th of March against the Senators and, of course, uh, April 1st as well. Uh, April Fool's Day, uh, but Rick um, and I'll, I'll just add to that yeah. um, that uh, that Mark Bergevin said that uh, if all goes well, they can practice uh, on on Monday or late Monday, um, yeah. and uh, that he hinted that uh, that the well he said that the schedule's all been rewritten for every team in the North because uh, there's a lot of games to to fill in and and a tight schedule. So I don't think that the Canadians next Tuesday on the 30th, I don't think they'll be playing Ottawa. Uh, it might be one of those Edmonton games that are made up, but yeah. that, that will be part of the, uh, the reorganization. And uh, Mark Bergevin said that that won't be public until the Canadians are, uh, are officially cleared uh, after the week goes by. So definitely want to keep a heads up because, yeah, there is a little bit of uncertainty right now. Um, Rick, uh, we unfortunately had the uh, sad news on Wednesday that uh, former uh, trainer for the uh, St. John's Icecaps, uh, Shannon Shaq Cody, uh, passed away. And uh, he's he, he wasn't anybody. I didn't have a close relationship. I know that, that we've often talked about Shannon uh, on this podcast or in the pre-shows for this podcast. He's teaching you some Newfoundland terminology, <laughs> a very proud Newfoundlander. And, you know, I, I didn't have the great pleasure of getting to know Shaq uh, especially well. But I remember walking down uh, after games at Mile One Center after Ice Caps games to do interviews and, and just seeing him there. And, and his, his personality, his smile, people were drawn to him. Like people were very much drawn to Shaq. And uh, it was just a tremendous loss in the, in the hockey community in this province and just one that... It was it was in the moment as I saw that come across my phone on on Wednesday that it was just incomprehensible to me. Um, but as I said, I know that you uh, had had a much more personal relationship uh, with with Shannon. Yeah, uh, th- there was the the connection there with with uh, you know the the St. John's Ice Caps when uh, the uh, Ice Caps were an affiliate with uh, with the Canadians and and then. We developed a friendship after that, after um, um, St. John's moved, and uh, or the, the Canadians affiliate moved from St. John's, and and uh, really enjoyed uh, uh, texting with him and keeping up on him, and virtually watching games with him. Uh, j- just some background: uh, Shannon Cody, known to everybody uh, by Shaq, uh, just forty-three years old, um, an assistant equipment manager and he was with the Canadians organization uh, with the Jets organization and got his start with the Leafs organization uh, yeah. he even had a, uh, a stint with the uh, with the uh, QMJHL uh, the the St. John's Fog Devils uh, yeah. when they were part of, of St. John's and, and um, he did everything uh, an assistant equipment manager would do uh, and, and, uh, and more. Um, he was just the hardest worker that, that, uh, yeah. that you'd see. And, and, um, and if you were part of, of the team or, or in any way associated uh, or even the visiting team, uh, you knew Shaq, and and we talked with Bobby Farnham on Friday, and Bobby that part of that uh, uh, that one season. But he said, you know, I knew Shaq way before that because as a visiting team, you'd go in, and and there he was, and and he yeah. was just 
biggest life personality. And, um, and we saw uh, Ottawa, all the teams kind of line up to, uh, uh, to pay tribute to him and, and uh, the, the Ottawa uh, Senators and, and the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and uh, the Manitoba Moose and, and uh, DJ Smith, uh, during one of his pressers, just yeah. uh, kind of stopped and offered his condolences um, be- because of his association. Um, you know, over the years, I, I, we would we would we would uh, text back and forth about about hockey, and and um, uh, we would watch games together uh, virtually and and uh, text back and forth. And and he had a great eye for hockey. I always thought he could be a uh, a scout um and um he thought i was a pretty good writer and and he asked uh me to write his book because uh, he was he knew everybody and and um uh, bobby farnham called him the mayor of st john's because he'd go into <laughs> yeah. a, a pub and 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 shack would know everybody um and uh shack said you know i i i i got all these stories and and uh but i can't write you write well you're going to write my book and i said all right um and so every time we text he'd say um okay i got a story for you um and then he he would follow it up but 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 this one goes nowhere this one can't go in the book <laughs> and then he'd tell me this story and it, how did this happen um, or he'd tell me something and I'd say, Shaq, that can't go in the book. And he'd laugh, <laughs> but no, of course it can't. Um, but the other thing that, uh, he was so proud of Newfoundland, so proud of yeah. being from Newfoundland and, and he loved Newfoundland and, and one of his favorite places was, uh, Fogo and, and Fogo Island. And, and he had an uncle up there that, uh, Joe Bat's arm and he'd go and, and, uh, and go cod fishing and. And he had his best friend was his bulldog, um, and uh, he named him Joe B after after that. Uh, but um, every time that we'd be watching a game, he'd he'd say, "Well, that guy's from Newfoundland, you know," and, yeah. and I'd say, "Yeah, you told me that fifty three times." <laughs> and, and during the World Juniors, we were talking about Alex Newhook, and he said, um, "Yeah, uh, you know, he's from Newfoundland." And I said, "Yeah, he's St. John's," and he said, "He's a great young fella." Um, uh, his family's really nice too. And I said, uh, you say this all the time. Isn't, isn't everyone nice from Newfoundland? And I got this one word reply. Yep. Everyone. Yeah. Um, yep. everyone, <laughs> um, uh, he just, a, a very special guy, you know, 1500 game, more than 1500 games of, of hockey experience. Yeah. Um, he was he was my very good friend, and I'm I'm dearly going to miss him. Um, Shannon, Shaq, Cody, uh, yeah, this this tributes for you. Absolutely, we're thinking of everybody, uh, and that that is, that in, involves a lot of people that uh, Shannon that Shaq touched in his life. So thinking of everybody that that he did. Um, so this day, this episode dedicated to the memory of uh, Shannon, Shaq, Cody. Um, and uh, yeah, we're thinking of of everybody um, that that he loved and uh, loved him. So Rick, uh, we'll say uh, goodbye for this week, and uh, we'll be back next week discussing all things Montreal Canadiens and around the NHL. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.